and welcome to Jen's Guide to Being a Grown-Up. I'm Jen Setrauer, and this is a podcast all about navigating life in your 20s. Here we have a lot of fun as we discuss what it's like to follow God into the somewhat daunting phase of life called adulthood. I have by no means mastered the sacred art of adulting, but I have plenty of wisdom and funny stories to share about how I have stumbled through this phase of my life. You're listening to Jen's Guide to Being a Grown-Up. Class is now in session. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today is Jen's Guide to Living Intentionally. Well, I hope you guys are having a fabulous, fabulous week. I certainly am. And one reason why is because I have recently began a quest to find the perfect cinnamon roll. And why? Because it is almost fall. Now, um, normally fall happens around September 22nd, but I think that 2020 calls for an early fall and probably even an early Christmas. (laughs) Let's be real. We need as much lighthearted fun as we can get this year. So when I think about fall, I think about cinnamon rolls and lots of coffee. So I when it came to having a sweet tooth, I used to be super into chocolate. I loved any kind of ice cream with chocolate. Um, that was my favorite kind of thing to eat. But in recent years, my sweet tooth has kind of made a switch up on me. And now I love cinnamon rolls. The obsession began whenever I was over at a friend's house and her neighbor, um, a man that lives in Hamilton had made some cinnamon rolls and passed them off to her. And I ate some and they were so good, just homemade cinnamon rolls and, um, with a cream cheese frosting. I think that's the key for me. So since then I've been obsessed. Um, when I was in Georgia a few weeks ago, a friend of mine, um, showed me that Publix actually has really good cinnamon rolls that taste kind of like Cinnabon. So the goal is to get like Cinnabon level cinnamon rolls, but in the small town that I live in. So that is pretty much, it's led me to trying a bunch of recipes. So if I find the perfect one, I will be sure to tell you all about it. But if you have a perfect cinnamon roll recipe, please send it my way because I just, I'm not going to stop until I find the best one. Um, If you also live nearby and um, you want to be a cinnamon roll test tester so that I don't have to eat them all myself, you know, just let me know and I would be more than happy to share the wealth. But today we are talking all about living intentionally. So what does that really mean? Well, I think that living intentionally means that you're doing things on purpose and you're doing things deliberately. You're living in a way that you prioritize what actually matters the most to you. Um, And I feel like when you live intentionally, you are actually able to have way more fun because you're not squandering your time and your energy and your focus, but you are being intentional about how you spend your time and your energy and your focus. And it actually frees you up to be able to do more of the things that you love. So today I'm talking about three ways that you can practice living intentionally. The first one that I want to start with is kind of one of those dreaded topics for some, 
or an exciting topic for others, and that is money. I want to talk about how to live intentionally with your money. Um, there's been seasons of my life that you would, I would hear the phrase, you know, live intentionally with your money or make a budget. (laughs) And instantly I would just be filled with dread because thinking about taking an honest look at my finances in some seasons of my life would just make me instantly stressed and instantly filled with like shame. But, um, when you're intentional, With your money, you never have to live with dread and shame when you're talking about finances. So there is a very popular quote by John Maxwell, um, and it says this, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. This is so relatable. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've gotten paid, especially in my early 20s. You get your paycheck. You're so ecstatic. The money is burning a hole in your pocket. And all of a sudden you've bought, you know, you've gone out to eat, you know, several times you've bought new clothes and then your bills come in and you're, you're like, oh no, where did all of my money go? I could have sworn I had money in my account. And you look at your account and there's $14 in it and you're like, where did my money go? There's no way. And that. That's because if you have not told your money exactly where to go, you're going to wonder where it went. And then you're going to be really stressed out when it's time to do the responsible things like paying your bills. So um, I like to think of budgets as fun creators. Why are they fun creators? Because if you budget your money specifically, you can be strategic about setting aside money for fun. So... To me, I really love budgets because they allow you to visualize where your money is going. I'm a very visual person and I like to see things in front of me, um, you know, especially if you follow some sort of system where you can like literally see the amount of money that's going to each different category um, of spending. It really helps you to see like you actually probably have more money than you think you do. Um, a lot of times if you just, you know, you get paid and you don't have a budget, it just feels stressful, like trying to handle it and trying to make it last for every single thing that you need it for. But if you have a budget, you can see where it's going and it gives you so much more peace and you're able to have fun spending your money without the fear or shame or the buyer's remorse that comes with impulse shopping. Um, I feel like Also, when you have a budget, it helps you break off the, I can't afford that mentality. So the other day I was at Target, my favorite place to be, and I was um, in the home section looking at sheets, like bed sheets. And um, there was a set of bed sheets that were temperature controlled, which I love because no one wants to be hot at night. And I wanted them, but they were $70. And I was thinking, well, I wasn't planning on buying these sheets. And I don't know if I can justify dropping $70 on these sheets right now. Well, I stayed in Target for about an hour or so more. And I ended up purchasing about, you know, $60 to $70 worth of beauty products, um, random shampoo, toothbrushes, things from the dollar section that when you added it all up, it added up to about the same amount of 
as the sheets. And if I would have just strategically set out in my mind with intentionality to set aside that $70 specifically for sheets, I would have one nice set of sheets instead of, you know, $60 or $70 worth of random beauty products that yes, they will enhance my life. Um, but I mean, why did I think I couldn't afford the sheets when I could clearly afford all these random items? So budgeting helps to remove that mentality of like, I can't afford that. Um, because if you budget and set aside money for specific things, then you get the reward and the payoff of buying things that you actually want or need um, instead of just telling yourself, oh, I'll buy that later. I'll buy that later. No, just like set aside a little bit of money from each paycheck and be intentional to buy that one thing that your heart really wanted. Um, I've been thinking about how I've wanted to make um, a particular big purchase throughout the quarantine. And I was thinking to myself, if I keep saving money, I know I can buy this big ticket item. But I kind of wrote it off and forgot about it. And I looked back over um, this quarantine time and the amount of times I've gotten takeout. And I felt that sting of like, if I wouldn't have gotten takeout, you know, 10 or 15 times throughout the past few months, I could have totally afforded this big ticket item. And it's like, you don't really want to think about your finances in that way because it can, it can kind of sting, can kind of hurt and make you feel like you're just not managing it correctly. But honestly, maybe you're not. And that's okay because we can grow and we can learn. So um, I know it can be scary and stressful to look at your finances, just to even look in your bank account and see what you've been spending your money on. That can be stressful because you could feel a lot of shame if you know you haven't been stewarding your money correctly. I'm just being real. There have definitely been seasons in my life that I did not want to go look at my bank statements and see how much money I had spent at the Mexican restaurant in town. And that's because I just wasn't budgeting. I was just living by impulse. So I know it can be scary and stressful to take a look at those finances and to create a budget, but honestly, it's a lot less scary than not being able to pay your rent. And it's a lot less embarrassing than having to text a friend or family member to ask them to cash up you money for your electric bill. So that's just part of adulting. And I feel like um, this is kind of applicable for people of any age because you could be in your early 20s just trying to figure out money or you could be in your 40s or 50s and still, you know, kind of living in that que money kind of place where it's just like, oh, well, we're just going to go with the flow. Listen, I am a go with the flow girl, but I'm able to go with the flow and have more fun and be more free about it when I have made a budget. And there's nothing worse than thinking, you know, I don't have enough money to buy this MacBook. And then looking back at your purchases and thinking, I could have bought this MacBook if I had not bought you know, all these random clothes that I didn't need. So that's my, um, that's my, my helpful tips on being intentional with your money. Now, the second thing, um, the second way that you can practice living intentionally with is your time. Um, so now I'm going to loosely rephrase this John Maxwell quote and put my own spin on it. 
and make it about time. And I'm going to say a schedule is telling your time where to go instead of wondering where it went. Um, Schedules allow you to enjoy your time and to make your time work for your needs and your purposes. You know, we can't stop time. Um, There are 1,440 minutes in a day. There are 10,080 minutes in a week. And there are 525,600 minutes. All of my musical friends sang along to that one. Um, Yeah, there are 525,600 minutes in a year. And when you think about that, that's really not that many minutes. Like if I had to guess how many minutes were in a day or guess how many minutes were in a week or a year, I would think there would be a lot more, but that's really not that much time. And if you think about it for a big chunk of that time, you're probably actually asleep. So we really um, don't have as much time as we think we do. And a lot of times I find that we have plans and intentions to do lots of things, but we may not actually get around to doing them if we don't manage our time correctly. Like I can't even imagine how much time I have kind of wasted um, when I've been procrastinating doing something important and I've just laid on my couch scrolling and scrolling and scrolling into oblivion. Is that bad? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd have to answer for yourself, but I don't want to look back on my life and just think, oh, you know what? A third of my life was spent scrolling. Like I want to be <laughs> intentional with the time that I have. So um, one thing that's really helped me to be intentional, um, a tool that's really helped me to be intentional with my time and with time management is a tool called the Ideal Week. This has changed my life. And I, I believe that the creator of the Ideal Week concept was Michael Hyatt. Um, the, in the Ideal Week, you write out what like a perfect week would be. And you just take every single day in sections at a time. You could do 15 minutes at a time, 30 minutes at a time, an hour at a time. I kind of section mine off in hours, but I can, I write it out in such a way that you could half it into 30 minute segments if you needed to. Um, but the ideal week allows you to write out what your, your average week, if you could have it your way, how it would go. And you can stick to it every week, um, or you could loosely stick to it every week. Or if you're a really structured person, you could create one for every single week and stick to that. Um, I really love it because you can be so much more fully present in the moment in your schedule without worrying when you're going to be able to get other things done. So, um, some people might be hearing this and thinking, you know, that is really rigid and that is like too structured. Um, maybe you're like an Enneagram seven and you're thinking this is never going to happen for me. I want to have fun. I want to drive off into the, into the mountains whenever I want to. Um, and that's great, but I think I would personally have a lot more fun randomly driving off into the mountains if I had planned it on a weekend when I'd already gotten everything else done. 
so I could fully enjoy driving into the mountains and not be thinking about the other 500 tasks and responsibilities that I've left behind. So I know that can sound kind of harsh, but it's almost as though I wish I could tell my past self, like, yes, you're young, you want to have fun, but if you really want to have fun, get everything done and then you can let loose and do whatever you want. So I am a big believer in the concept of scheduled spontaneity. Those are two words that don't really sound like they could go together, but trust me, they do. Scheduled spontaneity. For me, that normally looks like Friday nights, um, Saturdays sometimes, and even Sunday mornings. I give myself a, a great long weekend and I block off those weekends for spontaneity. From you know Monday to Friday though, there's not much spontaneity happening personally. Those are the days that I am like getting things done at work, getting things done in all the other areas of my life and going to bed really early. And then a Friday night comes and hey, whatever you want to do, friend calls you up, wants to go to a nearby city and have dinner. Sure. You know, it's that scheduled time that I get to do with it, whatever I want to. So one thing I will add to this idea of the ideal week is it's okay to break out of it sometimes. Sometimes for me, like I'm an artist and a creative and I might have like an hour set aside on a, on a Wednesday afternoon that I'm planning to do something creative. And maybe that day comes and I'm not really feeling good or I don't have inspiration. You know, I feel like it's fine to just reschedule that for another time during the week. I think it's some, it's, you can start breaking the rules once the rules are in place. So I want to encourage you, if you feel like your time has just been slipping away from you, try just going by a schedule for a couple of weeks and see how it changes how you spend your time. Okay, so the third area, um, the third way that you can practice living intentionally is with your menu and your food. Um, I'm now going to rephrase John Maxwell's quote really, really loosely, and I'm going to embellish it to say a menu is telling your body what to eat instead of wondering how you ended up eating takeout every night last week. And that one even kind of rhymed. So John Maxwell, I'm sorry I changed your quote so much, but it's really helping me. Yeah. You want to create a menu so that you can enjoy the fruits of your labor, aka the groceries that you bought with your hard-earned money. You want to create a menu so you can enjoy those things without worrying. I cannot tell you the amount of times I have bought a whole week's worth of groceries. Um, you know, just, you know, maybe it's healthy groceries or produce or something like that. And I have a whole fridge full of groceries and I've gone out and eaten out every night of the week instead because I did not want the things that I had bought for that week. Well, this is when discipline comes into play. Um, I say buy what you like to eat so you don't end up with a fridge full of groceries and then eating out all the time. Like, 
Think about the things that you enjoy eating on a weekly basis and buy those things. And this is where like the menu and the budget kind of interconnect because maybe you're working with a smaller budget. Maybe you're working with a bigger budget weekly. Uh, maybe you feed a whole family or maybe you just feed yourself. Well, think about things that you actually want to eat and buy those things so that you don't go out to eat all the time unless you have, you know, planned to go out to eat all the time because that is one of the biggest ways to me that I found that you can waste your money. And I think about it like this. Do I want to go eat fast food like five times a week or do I want to not eat fast food hardly ever and then use, you know... 20 or 30 bucks to go buy a nice meal somewhere where I can really enjoy it. Um, to me, I feel like it's a change of mindset. But um, when I was in my early 20s, a lot of times I was living paycheck to paycheck and filling up my fridge and pantry each weekend, completely emptying it by the end of the week. And by Sunday, I was like, oh my goodness, I need this check to have gone through so I can feed myself this week. And so Trying to think of a menu was really stressful during those times, but it was actually also super essential because if I didn't have a menu set in place, I would end up just buying a bunch of random stuff that wasn't actually going to keep me full and nourish my body. So um, one thing I'd like to add on that thought is when it comes to stuff like pantry or freezer staples that are going to last a long time, um, it can feel really overwhelming to go and buy a million pantry staples or freezer type things to keep um, so you'll have them on hand at all times. But when I was in my early 20s and um, trying to build up my pantry and freezer, I would just buy a little bit every week. Um, there would be some times that I'd want to make like a special baked good or a special dish and I'd end up spending like 40 or $50 on the ingredients for that one thing. And it would be kind of annoying because I'm like, I don't really have need of all this stuff except for, for this one meal. But then you add those things to your pantry and freezer staples and you can pull from those ingredients at any time. And yes, it might've been a little bit stressful and seemed unnecessary in the moment when you bought it, but it will really help you in the long run. So don't be afraid to make those investments into your food. Um, so one other thought that I have when it comes to creating a menu and being intentional about it is for me, I love to do a, like, I like to eat really healthy and clean and intentional on the weekdays and have structure and what I'm eating then. And then I like to have more fun on the weekend and allow myself to go out to eat or make something really fun like cinnamon rolls on the weekend um, to celebrate. And that way you're not constantly splurging all week long and then you don't even really care about the reward of something on the weekend, but you eat really good all week long and then you allow yourself a treat on the weekend. And for me, I have found this to be very freeing and it's made me appreciate treats and um, dining experiences so much more. So I hope that that has been helpful for, helpful for you. Um, when you live intentionally, it really helps you to prioritize what matters the most to you. And then you actually end up having way more fun because you're not squandering your time and your energy and your focus and your menu. 
And now, here is Jen's tip of the week. So as we're talking about being intentional, um, another area of life that we can be intentional with is the people that we come into contact with every single day. I feel that it's super important that we make time for the people that we love and we even make time for um, just people that we interact with on a daily basis, whether that be acquaintances, co-workers, people that we meet at the store, whatever it may be. I find that it's so important to be intentional with people. Um, when it comes to friendships, it's so important to be intentional that you are reaching out to your friends um, on a regular basis because As we grow up, as we get older, and as we're given more responsibilities in life, sometimes it's not as natural or easy to take the time to reach out to people. Um, Life just happens and we get busy, and all of a sudden you haven't called your friends in six months. Um, So I find that it's very important to be intentional um, about making time for people. And there's even been seasons of my life that I've made a list of like the six people that I want to be constantly kind of reaching out to throughout a particular month. Because if not, because a lot of um, the people I'm friends with might not even live in my city. Before you know it, we're practically strangers because we haven't been staying in touch. So I like to try to be intentional with people Um, and even just the people that you interact with on a daily basis. Make others feel like they're heard and valued by the way that you interact with them. I, I think of particular leaders in my life that have a lot going on and have really important things to do. But when I've, you know, stopped them and just, you know, interact with them for a few moments, they looked into my eyes. I could tell that they were listening and then they gave me a thoughtful response that made me feel heard, valued, and connected with. So whenever I'm interacting with people, I try really hard to be completely zoned in and focused on just that person. There could be a million other people in the room that wanted any of our attention, but when I'm talking to somebody, I am making eye contact with them. I'm fully listening to them and not just listening so that I can say something awesome in return, but listening so that I can fully get a grasp of where they're coming from and what they're trying to communicate to me. Um, And in addition to being a good listener, I try my hardest to remember conversations that I've had with somebody. Um, If I have gotten into a conversation with somebody about a particular book, the next time that I see them, I'm going to ask them how that book is going. Just little things like that that make people feel like they're valued and make people feel like they are understood. And then stay connected with those people. Check in on them here and there. Send them a text every now and again. You know, you want to feel that same kind of connection with the people in your life. And I feel like it's so important that we give that same kind of intentionality to the others that are around us. And now here is Jen's guide to quiet time. Today, I want to dive into a passage of scripture that I really, really, really love, and it has a very special place in my heart, and that is Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 1, verses 16 through 23. 
And one reason I love this passage so much is because even though contextually it was a letter and a prayer from Paul to a whole entire church in Ephesus, these are it's a prayer that can be applied to our personal lives. And this is a prayer that I've found myself praying for other people in different seasons of life and that I've even altered and written down in a book and I've changed all the pronouns to I or me to make it super personal so I could pray them and declare them over myself. Um, And it's just, man, Paul's writing is so full and it's so rich. And sometimes, you know, when I'm trying to dive into um, Paul's writings when I'm in my quiet time, it can be super overwhelming because it is so dense to kind of um, dive into. But That's where um, a lot of times I found that meditation and just even saying the passages out loud has really helped me to break down exactly what he's trying to say. And so today I'm going to read this passage in the Amplified Version, and it really, um, the Amplified Version of this really helps me to see it from a different angle, and it just adds so much depth and meaning to each of the verses. So it says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of Him. For we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which He has called you, and the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, which are God's people. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, whether angelic or human, and far above every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and world, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in every world in subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is such an amazing passage of scripture to me. And when I'm reading it, I kind of hear it in, you know, on movie previews 
whenever like the classic 90s preview would start with in a world where darkness is all around you. I kind of like in my mind (laughs) hear it being read in that really dramatic narrator voice. But it's so dramatic and awesome. Jesus is literally above every single title and principality and he's seated above it all. And he wants to give us a revelation of who we are. And this this passage just explodes in my heart every time that I read it. And like even just reading it out loud, I'm thinking, man, this is really, really, really dense stuff. But it's like the more that you take a step back and you um, you read it and you meditate on it, the more it doesn't seem so complex and the more it seems like simple truth to the heart. So uh, this week for our quiet time questions... First, I'd like to say in verse number 17, Paul prays that the church at Ephesus would be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. This means that the first thing that Paul prayed was that they would be, they, they would personally know God. So why is it so important for each of us to individually have a personal and intimate insight of God himself? Basically, why should we know him? Why does that matter? Secondly, read verses 18 through 19 a couple of times through. Paul prays that as our hearts are flooded with God's light, we will experience the hope of his calling and the greatness of his power. As everyday people, as children of God, Christians walking in the earth, just living our normal lives, Why do we need to realize who we are? And why do we need to realize what our inheritance is? And lastly, I challenge you to read Ephesians 1, 16 through 23 every day this week and each time do it in a different translation. And then pray it over yourself. Make it personal and ask God to help you unpack what it means. Why do this? Because I find that a lot of times, um, sometimes when I'm reading scripture, it seems really, really complex the first time I read it, and it makes me stressed out or bored. But the more that I take time and wait upon the Lord, read it slowly and read it in different translations, the more that the word comes to life before my very eyes. And I love to end each and every week with a prayer. And so this week, I'm actually going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray this Ephesians prayer over you in the Passion Translation. So here we go. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God would illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith, 
then your life will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, the church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. And I've had such a great time diving into how to live an intentional life. Um, If you'd like to stay in contact with me, you can find me on Instagram at jen.zetrauer. I look forward to talking with you guys next week and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. 